I like the, it was Marie Kondo. The, uh, Does this bring joy to my yes. life? You look at and you have to answer that question for every single, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick up some of these adapters over here, some of these dongles for HDMI. Port. Does this dongle bring me joy? Yes. Yeah, this one. <laughs> Scotch. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 156 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam and I'm a walking sinus explosion. I'm Sam and I'm leaving. And uh, this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is Pi Plus 3, 2018. Mm. Before we get started, we have a warning. Anything could happen in this show. There's going to be profanity if you are a child. Get your face out of our face. Yup. So, Sam, real quick, what do you mean by you're leaving? People might have just panicked and shat, their, <laughs> shat themselves. Uh, I'm going to China for two weeks. Okay. So, I'm going to be off the grid because over there, there's this huge wall that you can't, I can't you get can't back get a, you over can't, here. It's yeah. over there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so, I'm going to basically be completely incommunicado. Um, I might get like a QQ account or something, which is the sort of Gmail equivalent over there. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, send some, maybe send some sweet pics to you guys via email. Uh-huh. I have some Wi-Fis. Um, but otherwise it's going to be, yeah, it's a, like a full day of travel starting tomorrow. And then we arrive, uh, we're arriving in Shanghai and then going around the whole country, doing a bunch of stuff. And uh, it's largely to visit my wife's family over there. So never gotten to meet them before in person, of course, the sort of older generations. And then also getting to see... The quote-unquote villages, which I think now are like 300,000 people, but they still call it a village for some reason. Yeah, so, it just used to be. And so, and also right. still relatively it is, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, whenever I talk to my wife about, uh, so our hometown is 10,000 people. And when I say hometown, she becomes very disoriented because 10,000 people where she's from in India, that's like a uh, city block. That's like an accidental <laughs> loose gathering of people, you know, <laughs> right. uh, and like in it's the number in, of people on one train yeah. car. And in the state of Iowa, you have to try really hard to get 10,000 mm-hmm. people together. <laughs> yeah. You can basically throw a stick in any direction, no matter where you are in Iowa and you can't hit anybody. Yeah. You can't. It's true. Even in a, there. Even in a town. Even in a crowd. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We refer to it as projectile <laughs> freedom, which is one of the things I've just always wanted now that I'm in a city is just now the ability to walk outside it. and just throw something just throw and just a not stick. worry about it. You know, yeah. but now I got to worry about all these houses and people. So dogs. one alternative mm. is uh, now that you live in the city, you don't need to use your body anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. So you just you could just become progressively weaker until you can't throw a stick very far. Mm. Then, mm-hmm. you know, you, you've yeah. got you got it. You can only control one end of this. Although you do equation. often need your legs in a city for all the walking that you have to do. So you have to just shrink your top. Your top. Well, no, because we just ordered scooters mm. for the studio. Right. So we need one strong leg. You just need one leg. Yeah. And then a, and then a weak everything and else. A weak, uh, the strong leg is the one you stand on. And then the weak floppy leg is the one you use to slap the ground with. To <laughs> I kind of thought it would be the other way around. No, no, maximum. trust me. It's like a seal flipper, you know? So, so just, let's just backtrack on the scooter thing real quick so we can get our listeners in the loop. Yes, we got this office, which is super rad, and we're loving it a bunch. And It's on kind of like a smallish campus of offices. Mm-hmm. And one of the problems is... You know, if you want to go from one building to another, you got to walk there. Yeah, for eat five minutes. Is, yeah, it's like a five-minute walk. And but things, importantly, in 97 degrees, yes. still humid heat. Mm-hmm. St. Louis is, is just the hottest thing. It's just a hot, it's a hot so, place. And it's also a humid hotness. It's not like a desert hotness where you can go out and you're like, I'm not sweating even though it's 100 degrees somehow. In St. Louis, you'll be like 85 and you're just soaked. Yeah, because we get enough rain in the summer that, mm-hmm. you know, there's just... It's it's hot but damp. Yeah, 
And so uh, not the best for moving between buildings, especially in any professional capacity. If you're like, oh, I'm going to go have a meeting over there. By the time you get there, you look like you swam. You but know? you know what is the best for moving between buildings in a professional capacity? A scooter. Scooting. So Seth had one. Uh, what, in college? Was this your thing? I had a college, I had a college scooter. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> I did the math and I realized that, I realized two things. One, the campus is very hilly. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the other was I was walking about 10 minutes between each class. Uh, and I didn't, I, I was like, this is too many. Too many minutes. Too many minutes. You know, if you add it up in the course of the day, I'm walking for like an hour. Mm-hmm. Who has the time for that? I want to be able to get to my class almost immediately and then sit there and do nothing for eight minutes yeah. instead of, you know. Perfect. So, so I looked in, you know, Razor, they've got those, they've got these, it's called an A5 Lux scooter. It can hold over 200 pounds. Is the Lux short for Deluxe? Yeah. It's L U X E. So maybe it's pronounced Lux, Luxe, Luxe or something. <laughs> uh, so I got one of those and it changed everything. But the problem was everybody else on campus was either walking or biking, right? Yeah. And of course, with a bike, you got to like lock it up. You got to, yeah, you got to strap it in. It gets you there very fast. But yeah, there's a lot of, yeah. A lot of, so uh, you kind of set up and tear yes. down. So on the, on the short distances, you kind of break even with a bike. You know, you mm-hmm. got to unlock it, jump on it, ride it, lock it up again. Scooter, it's just part of you now. Mm-hmm. So you fold it up as you enter the building. You need it's then not you like insert it into the this little spot in your leg that you've left. Yeah, you've got your you've got your marsupial it. scooter pouch. Uh-huh. You just slide it in there, and it's not like a skateboard because I've tried to ride a skateboard and I almost died. Uh-huh. <laughs> and a scooter, anybody can ride a scooter yeah. uh, as long yeah, as you sure. got almost nobody can ride a skateboard. Yeah, as long as you got one strong leg and one floppy leg, yeah, you're good to go. Uh-huh. Or two floppy uh, legs or two strong legs, like really just any combination of legs yeah. is fine. But mm-hmm. the thing about scooters is. Uh, because they're easy, this is this is a game maker problem, right? Because they're easy to ride, uh, lots of children ride scooters. Mm-hmm. And so people see an adult man on the scooter and they're like, <laughs> something is up. Something is wrong here. that strange large child. <laughs> so even though I had easily the best and most efficient and easiest to use form of transportation on campus, nobody else on campus you ever know, bought I, a scooter. This is kind of like apparently in basketball, the optimal way to shoot a free throw is actually the between your legs toss. But nobody will do but it. Nobody yeah. does it because it looks it's hysterical. <laughs> so, so we thought, okay, we need to break the mold here. Uh-huh. We're, gonna, we're, on this, we're on this professional business campus. We need... Because, you know, there's, the, there's those scenes where you'll see one person dancing at a concert or something, and everybody else is just looking at them like, like oh, look at what's weirdo. this weirdo? Mm-hmm. And then, and people are just kind of laughing to themselves, and then suddenly one other person jumps in and starts dancing. And then another person's like, hey, it looks like they are having fun. Mm-hmm. And then that person jumps in, and then boom, a crowd forms, right? So we are a scooter gang now. Mm-hmm. We have ordered, we got, we got four scooters. Each of us has a scooter. And we are now going to be traveling between buildings on campus on scooters because we want it to be the case that people see this and they're like, that looks really good. Look at that. I guess that's a thing now. Mm-hmm. There's there's people on scooters on campus, not just one weird scooter person. Yeah, I'm super know? excited about it. It's it actually like- probably works less well if we all go as a group because it just looks like. We're a group of weirdos who like oh. all collectively decided to get it. Well, so yeah, we got it. We got to do it we randomly. Be, yeah, you got to be strategic about so like it. Slowly yeah. leak it out. And they're like, I've seen four different people exactly. on scooters, not together. Totally not wearing what matching uh, shirts or anything. Yeah, that's a good yep. problem. Yeah. I'm just excited to sort of roll out of the office with our folded up because they look cool, just cool as hell. You're just carrying you're, it around. You're carrying a folded up scooter, it just looks like a huge chunk of metal. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and you come out and you're like, with wheels, and you un- unlock it and then slam it down on the ground. Pop 
pop a wheelie, you know, right off yeah. in the distance. Now, you, if, oh, if you're having a hard time opening your scooter, you got to make sure you WD-40 the hinges so that yes. you, so that all you got to do is with one hand, you can kind of like pull, pull the lever and flick it open. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The other thing it's like you, a butterfly knife yeah, for travel. And the other thing to be careful of is, you know, you see people doing these scooter tricks where they're oh, like, man. they're whipping the thing around uh-huh. or whatever. But that that steel bottom thing will just whip around and just take your ankle a right off your is, foot. It's actually like a, a nunchuck that you can ride. I know this because we, we grew up with, I think we had like a Razor scooter or two in the, in the old house. And then we had- It's a murder weapon. They, we got our driveway paved, which I remember was like a huge deal. And so there's actually finally like a cement driveway instead of having uh, just a dirt road that led up to the house. And part of this was it ended at like a, with like a three foot drop that went down to the yard because it was sort of on a slope. And to make it so that people know if they're about to drive their car off it, uh, the people who put the concrete in made a little lip that went up. So essentially, if you're backing your car up, you'd sort of sense that your car is getting moved, not fly off the edge, which was perfect then as a child for ramping your scooter right. <laughs> just off of this thing <laughs> and swinging the thing around all this stuff. And so, yeah, it's, it's a weapon. It's a legit Yeah, so we're, we're at an age now where we have no interest in doing tricks. I mean, I still have interest in it, but I'm going to temper my expectations about my ability to do so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know I mean, because you've seen enough fail videos now that you know, know. you know what the outcome of doing tricks mm-hmm. is. Yeah. Your legs come off. Yep. <laughs> uh, so otherwise, we got some, uh, some studio news. For starters, we're kind of... Uh, we're kind of bur- we burned the candle out because of the shenanigan jam. Mm-hmm. So we're still kind of like coming off of that. We're crashing from the the high of doing the game jam. I yeah, think. I'm still feel, I feel pretty good. Yeah, well, I'm really just tired. But yeah, it, it has. It was just because I spent so much time doing things. Well, yeah, and I think importantly, it's not actually it's not actually the the doing stuff that makes you tired. It's then having to try to squeeze back like the rest of your life back into the cracks. Yeah, you know. Uh, that's kind of the hard part. Mm-hmm. So yeah, squeezing life into cracks is just you know it's too. Yeah. It, sometimes life is too big to fit in the cracks, mm-hmm. and you gotta make a hole. Well, then you, you just know. gotta be a tree though, and you just say, "I don't give a fuck." I don't give a I'm fuck. Get in there. Yeah. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Trees are they're just in a constant state of jamming. Yeah. They're just jamming their roots into, into cracks. Yeah, every crack. For me, since I'm leaving on Friday, I haven't had I haven't had the extra the sense of extra time to be able to be like. Oh, I need to recover. I'm just like, I guess this yeah, is I'm my life. I'm just going now. So, <laughs> so I've just been going. That's good since the jam. Which is and you can sleep time. on the plane for thirty hours. So. Probably not, but I will try. Yeah, <laughs> I'll try my best. Uh, uh, yeah. Yes. Uh, also, other studio news. We got a bunch of studio news. One is we are this week. Oh, we're moving. Mm-hmm. So we're we're doing a big moving day and kind of getting stuff settled into the new office. Now that we are we're enjoying the space and we've got our scooters. So now. It's official. It's official. It's scooter official. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one of the big things we have to do is, so we, we had a, we get a bunch of equipment in the office, like monitors and, you know, keyboards and whatever. But everything that we got sort of came with a bag of accessories of some kind. Mm-hmm. And we had uh, some storage shelves in the back. And so what ended up happening was the storage shelves became accessories garbage shelves. Mm-hmm. So I think our moving day is actually largely going to be just Figuring out how to get rid of garbage. Yep. I'm going to call that junk company and start pointing at stuff and be like, get it out yeah. of here. But now, is that actually even any different than a regular move for just like uh, moving in a house or an apartment? No, I think it's just what moves are. It's like you realize the you, extent to which you just sort of squirreled away things you don't need yeah. ever into just everything. Well, I think that's what it should be. I don't think that's what it actually is for most people most of the time. That's, yeah, you're probably I think right. mostly just take all their stuff. 
take it with them and then keep adding more stuff. I think, yeah, a move should always be a, a just a tremendous opportunity to just purge all your yeah. shit. All your worldly position. Just who cares? Just leave as much. The question should be, what can I throw away? Yes. You know? I like the, was it Marie Kondo? The, uh, Does this bring joy to my yes. life? Mm-hmm. You look at it and you have to answer that question for every single, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick up some of these adapters over here, some of these dongles for HDMI ports and Does shit. Does this dongle bring me joy? And I'll be like, yes. Yeah, this, one. <laughs> this This is a real good dongle. This is a good, this is a good but dongle. this next dongle, I think it's a, Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's, it's also the case that as a, as a person, you can only really remember so many things. And as you yep. hoard things into storage, Unless you're regularly checking, you know, your closets, uh, there's a good chance that you won't even remember what you have in there Mm -hmm. and you'll accidentally get a new one when you need it or whatever. So, you know, it's a problem. Yeah. But we'll, you know, we'll be, we'll be purging today. Well, and then in, in the new space, we're getting, uh, uh, Fat Bard, who does all of our audio and the podcast production, uh, he'll be building us sort of like a kitted out, legit podcast space. Yeah. yeah. Very exciting. It's going to be red. So we're going to get out of this basement, card table, moving blankets situation. You know, uh, we should soon. we should take some pictures of our current podcast setup and post them in the community <laughs> Discord because I don't think we've ever actually shown anybody. No, mm. probably not. This dank. I'll take one right now. This dank space. <laughs> yeah. And dank, 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 dank space. is the right word. Yeah. For this space. Yeah. We got, we got a sort of like old carpet just strewn about. Yep. It's not attached to the floor. It's just kind of like strips of carpet. We've got moving blankets that we got, a pack of, like 10 of them for like $30. Mm-hmm. And then they're stapled and nailed to the ceiling above us. Yep. And a board nailed to the to the shelving unit next to us with microphones clamped to the board. Right, I got a picture. I'll put it up. Plus $10 card table and $10 chairs. Hey, man, you got you to gotta <laughs> save the money where you can. You know? so, but hey, I think it's important to realize, you know, all those items together amount to like $100. Mm-hmm. Which is, that's pretty good for, for yeah, getting that, for well, podcasting. Yeah. But our actual podcast equipment costs significantly, significantly more, than more. Yes. Well, that's, that's going to be, that's a hard one to avoid. <laughs> yep. uh, let's see. Otherwise, we also have been getting requests from people about tips about, hey, if we want to just like pay or give money to, to this, to butterscotch shenanigans as a thanks for the podcast or whatever, because we don't do any commercials or advertisements or mm-hmm. anything. Um, and of course we launch games rarely, long while. uh, but we're, but we're also doing all kinds of other stuff like organizing the Shenana jam and doing the podcast and giving talks and putting those on YouTube and whatever. And so we've had a lot of members of our community basically saying, uh, I feel bad because you guys are doing so many things and we only get to pay you for one of them, which mm-hmm. is the games. And so, uh, so we looked into different ways we could kind of resolve this problem for people to throw money at us. Mm-hmm. It's a big problem. Yeah. And so yeah. the service <laughs> that we landed on is called Coffee. Uh-huh. But it's, it looks like Ko-Fi. It's spelled K-O-Hyphen-F-I. But so that you don't have to worry about that, Adam set it up at tips.bscotch.net. Yep. And so all you do is you go there and you just tip us mm-hmm. with like a credit card or something. Uh, so that's there. Tips.bscotch.net. It's live. Go check it out and, uh, you know, give us some money. Yeah, I will say we did. We have made, I, I believe, $4 off of our goop game. Shit, yes. That we made for the jam. That's so that pretty was good. 72 hours of work, four bucks, That's three a people. Pretty good rate. Yeah. <laughs> pretty good. Okay. Uh, yeah, we have a lot of podcasts to catch up on, too, because we have 150 ish times three hours. 
Yep. Yeah, that is something that we're in the hole. We probably forgot to disclose to our listeners, but uh, we do bill retroactively for episodes that you listen to. Yep. It is six dollars per episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so if you have been listening, I know, I think Angry Muffin <laughs> has listened to the, the whole podcast series like a six few times. times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be a big bill. That's going to hit that bank account pretty hard. Uh, <laughs> last studio news level head. Let's talk about it. Where is it? What's it happening? is doing well. So, uh, we, we came up with a few different things. So last, I think last time we discussed it, we talked about the wiring system and some changes we were making to that. Turns out that it was just too weird in the implementation that we had sort of started with uh too difficult to optimize basically because it was working it works but but level head it can have these really big levels and we started having these basically these circuitry problems based on this wiring system so uh we went back to the drawing board literally with it and uh and sort of made it simpler but still get what we wanted out of it which was having a visual a way to actually visualize all the connections that are happening so it's a new system Seth's working on it i think mm-hmm. it's close to done already um, so it's really exciting and it, it, it works. It does the design problem, solves the design problem we wanted. Yeah. Cause the idea should be, uh, instead of, instead of assigning ID numbers to stuff, like some kind of nerd, mm-hmm. you should be able to just put down some levers and then just go like, I'm going to hook these up to a door and you just go boop, boop, boop. And you just kind of put some wire, draw down. a wire yep. that connects. Yeah, which is to say that you used to have to keep track of what number each of the thing yeah, was. Yeah. used to be like, well, that's have the same number. Yeah. Like that's lever number eight. So I need to do it and put an eight on this mm-hmm. door. And then you accidentally delete the lever and you're like, oh, whoops. And then you put a new lever down, but now it's zero and you mm-hmm. got to change it back. And remember, it's just stupid. a little much. Yeah. So, uh, so it's super exciting. That's going to be done soon. And then uh, Seth's been doing a bunch of refactoring and some other fun stuff because, of course, we learn something from every jam we do. So we stole a bunch of the guts from the Goop legacy code and have been sort of putting it where it needs to go to sort of stay in the, the butterscotch knowledge citadel, I guess, which is currently building up inside of Game Maker. So... Uh, that's been a lot of the work. And then on the art side, the enemies are now done in terms of like we have all of them. We know how they all work. Uh, I think there's one left that I needed to like fully color. But besides that, like they're they're in there and they're done. Yeah, we've got a good range. So my favorite, weird, my favorite are enemy. Seven? Six or seven? Or eight. I think there's eight. There's quite Somewhere eight. between six and nine. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. We just kind of do stuff. We don't <laughs> keep track of things. Uh, so my favorite enemy that we have is and this I think this kind of speaks to our iterative mm. process as we were like we loved the mole enemy from Tal Fight 2 which was one of the first enemies you come across where you'd be shooting at it and then it would dig down and then come out under, underneath mm-hmm. you. So Everybody thought, hated that thing too. It's yeah. Great. And yep. so because it, it it breaks the rules, you know, mm-hmm. it goes through the ground, it goes through terrain and you can't just you can't cheese your way out of it. It's mm-hmm. going to get you. Um and so we thought we want to bring that enemy concept into this platformer. And so our original concept was pretty similar. It was going to be like a robotic kind of a mole creature. Uh, but then we discovered that that fixing the mole to the terrain meant that it couldn't get you a lot of the time because in a platformer, you're airborne a lot, mm-hmm. right? In Talifight, you're just walking around. So you're always on always the ground. So they can always get you. And so, uh, so Sam came up with this bizarre concept of a robot shark well, with, so with, with a, a belt. I, the thing is, I started with a mole. So I started, I did some sketches to uh, sort of, I've uh, been doing a new thing where I basically try to build up a visual language for the various shapes that various things have. So I started sketching some moles. And while I was drawing the mole, I just suddenly started thinking of sharks because they actually, moles are shaped like sharks. They're dirt sharks. I didn't realize they're, it until yeah, I drew well, them. Yeah, because they're aerodynamic 
but for dirt. Yes. So they're dirt. dirt and like the way that they're, they're it's actually the way that their head kind of connects to their shoulders. It's, there's no neck involved. It's just yeah. like a they're a, to- it's they're a torpedo. They're a torpedo with a weird nose. Yeah. And so what yeah. I done is I, I drew this mole that was like erupting out of the ground, and then immediately I was like, "This is a fucking shark." And then I was like, "This should be a shark." And then I thought about Jaws and that poster from Jaws, where like there's just that great white shark with the open mouth coming up, right? And I just thought, okay, what what's the most what's the point of this creature? It's not about it coming out of the ground. It's about it coming to get you from below, right? Yes. So pulling on this sort of Jaws shark eruption thing, uh, it ended up becoming this robotic shark that has this little uh, like a belt. belt. And it's got like a little teleporter in the belt. And so what happens is uh, if it, well, also it's a transformer. So for some reason, it was, Seth was like, oh, we need an idle animation for this, which could have just been two frames. And in fact is. And then, uh, and then he was like, well... What if it transformed like Optimus Prime? I think you just actually what you do is you just put a video of Optimus Prime turning yeah. into a semi truck. Sam, like, <laughs> Sam was like, "Well, we need an animation for when it wakes up." And I was like, "How about something like this?" And then I linked that one minute long animation sequence from Transformers when Optimus emerges. Yep. And it's just like pieces just keep moving. And uh-huh. It just keeps growing and growing. <laughs> and I was like, "Sure." <laughs> I just started animating for real like a month ago, but yeah, let's do it for broke, you know. So, uh, so it, it sits there like a little box, and then. When you get close to it, then it sort of like transforms out of the box into its shark form and then it watches you. And then um, when you get close enough and sort of trigger its behavior, then it warps, it sort of warps into its belt. The belt flies across the screen to wherever you're located, whether you're in the sky. Yeah, so the belt goes anywhere. through terrain. It goes anywhere. in the air. Yeah, everything. And so and then and then it just erupts out of it in the sort of jaws, you know, frame of trying to chomp your your legs off. And snaps its mouth. So it's a shark that that comes up out of its own belt buckle mm-hmm. to eat. It's you. sort of like a quantum shark that yes. can just float anywhere in some other dimension. Sort of a quark. Sort of a quark, if you will. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, can just, it can just get to you anywhere. This might be a mm-hmm. better name for it. It's currently called cur- the pop jaw. Yeah, quark. Quark <laughs> might be a, might be better. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's actually the most complicated thing I've made. I'm pretty sure. It yeah. has like four different animation states. Yeah. And you, you, know, you got to remember that our normal frame approach is to not have frames. It's usually two. That has been our yeah. history with yeah, frames. Yeah, blinking and not blinking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the two and then otherwise it's just code. So we're trying to do it up. We're trying to do it up a little bit. But I'm really excited because, of course, the you know the alpha gameplay video that we put out there, it got like an okay response. You know, like 6,000 views. Didn't get shared around a lot. Didn't provoke a lot of press or anything. Um, and the only enemy that was in there was the Vac Rat. There weren't, we didn't have the secrets in there. We didn't have the background terrain. Um, we didn't have the wiring system where you could actually tell what the fuck's going on. So yeah. I'm just really excited to see, you know, if we put one of these Next together. Trailer. Yeah. Cause like when you, I mean, scale popping one of these huge sharks. That yeah. You can make a huge you. one. Yeah. You make a three by three one. Like it will feel like a Megalodon is <laughs> fucking like coming after you. So I'm super it's excited about good. it. Pretty and good. one of the other ones is, uh, is called a flip whip and it's, uh, it's this like weird chameleon robot. It's like a it's like a tank chameleon. Mm-hmm. And uh, when it gets close to you, then it sho- it shoots its tongue out and then whips it backward. And so like it sort of creates this arc of death. Essentially, it's an area effect uh, thing. And, and, so, then, and then it does a backflip. Oh yeah, but it does. <laughs> well, it does a gainer actually. It does a gainer. Yeah, because well, one, one of the other considerations of all the enemies is we were like. They all need to either deny you movement mm-hmm. in, in an important way, or they need to move around in an interesting way so that you have to kind of deal with it. Because it becomes a little game to like figure out how to hit them, right. right? And so, yeah, so the flip whip does both, where it, if you get caught in its arc, of course you're done. You're mm-hmm. done, though. And then afterwards, it does a flip. So even if you like go to jump on it immediately after 
it's a tag. If you don't anticipate the backflip, then it just jumps out of the way. Yep. You're like, or you just smash into it and die. Yeah. Which is great. So, so we got lots of fun stuff with those enemies. I'm very excited. I've, I haven't seen much like these kinds of things and uh, other platformers. So I mean, I it almost feels, it feels like we're making like a, they start feeling kind of Dark Souls-ish in terms of like, you gotta, you gotta know. You gotta know how the enemies work. Well, I mean, it, it reminds me of, of how we conceived of the enemies in Crashlands, but this is of course much more action oriented. But, yeah. you know, in Crashlands, every enemy had a specific attack pattern and style that you had to learn in order to beat beat it. So yeah, it's like a light version of Dark Souls right, concept. Right. You gotta use skill to overcome it. So that's pretty awesome. Um, all right. So before we get on to questions, there's there's a triplicate of industry news that we need to talk about. Strange. Let's and it all it. comes down to Steam. Uh-huh. Steam, of course, the the uh, digital distribution platform owned by Valve. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steam did. Uh, they had three kind of announcements in the past week, basically. Uh, so I'll just I'll hit them all, and then we'll talk about what, what the heck's what going it on. means. Also, bearing in mind, full disclosure, you know, we do distribute our games through Steam. Mm-hmm. You know, they are one of our business partners. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's the thing. Uh, all right. So first thing, Steam, is, this is lighter news. That Steam took their chat client, which has been basically unchanged for the a whole decade. time. About a decade. Yeah. Yep. And they looked at how awesome Discord is and they just were like, we'll just take that. Yeah. So, <laughs> so they are launching a beta of their new chat client where they just exactly mimicked the Yeah, it Discord. really does look like Discord. Yeah, they mimicked the Discord layout, um, it, just everything. Yeah, I do want to talk about this for a second because I think it's interesting that, uh, so UI and UX stuff is not, like, I I don't think it could possibly be, it's not copyright, it's not protected by No, anything, it's like right? a game mechanic. It's like a game mechanic or it's almost like choosing colors, right? So this is one yeah. of the things that you talk about uh, with someone getting an art is if you want to not worry about one entire section of stuff, just colors, yeah. then you just grab other people's art and just eyedropper it. Because you can take colors and it's fine. Like it's not, it's not a problem. Someone else did the hard work for you. Um, UI UX is the same way. And so you start seeing like if it, if someone does like a, I mean, Discord is really well put together. Like the, the overall user experience is phenomenal. And that probably took, it took a long time. Oh yeah, lots of iteration, yeah. lots, of, lots of work. And then someone else can just grab it and then they have all that goodness too, right? And so the question for me is always, no, it still isn't that simple because you still got to make the thing. I mean, you still yeah. have to make it. That's true. But that becomes a technical challenge rather than a technical and a design challenge. Same yeah. Uh, which is nice. So my big question is always, I'm totally fine with people grabbing UXs or UI stuff, but the question is always, where is it going to grow toward, right? Because it's just kind of a similar way we, like we do a lot of game mechanics in the same way. We'll take something from, you know, Terraria or for, from Don't Starve or Diablo or whatever else. And then by iteration sort of make it into our own thing. And yeah. so my question is kind of, it's cool that they that they grabbed this really good thing from Discord. I'm just curious, are they just gonna? Just well, sit I think there, it's an interesting gonna... move because given Valve's track record with their chat client, which is to say they don't they don't have one, yeah. right? And so obviously, at least up until now, it hasn't been a priority to sort of keep it up to date. Mm-hmm. And one thing we know about Discord is they are very fast. Yes, they are pumping out new features all the time. And so I have sort of two concerns about it. One is if they're just going to do what Discord does, but in sort of like a frozen in time way, they're just always going to be kind of lagging behind whatever Mm. features Discord has, right? Um, And the other thing is if it's just Discord, but only for Steam, why would... Why not just use the API? Why not just use Discord? Yeah. I don't know. Um, Yeah. You know, if it's... Well, I think there there are a few pieces. So one is if you're going to put a game on Steam, you're probably already integrating the Steam SDK. True. Yes. Which means you just get all the access to any kind of 
cool, you know, game to chat interaction that could be set up. So Discord has been implementing some of that stuff, but of course you have to put in their own SDK to get access to it. Right. So I think I think that puts them at a competitive advantage there. But mm. but also, I mean, I was thinking about this from designing our own website um, because for that, I feel like there's there's some similarity there. Where mm. basically, I was like, okay, I need a website. Like, what are the key things? That are what's the what's the minimum set of things that now makes a website exist that people understand it's acceptable and so on in uh, the, in the current time period we live in right not like in the nineties right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but so 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 then it's like okay so I need a and we, and we have a login system right so I'm like okay so I think people need to log into they need there needs to be a blog in it there needs to be all these different things uh, and so my original goal was basically to just make get the thing done that satisfied all those minimal requirements to replace our legacy shit pile mm-hmm. right. Uh, because once I'd replace our legacy ship pile with something that was modern, then it would definitely be better already. And, I, and I, at that point, I could start iterating and doing now interesting specific right. stuff uh, for us, right? Um, so the question so the same is, idea. So you yeah. grab so you grab the, the baseline, idea, right? Right. yeah? Because they because they basically needed to replace their chat client immediately, right? Because they've been losing ground. I mean, they, they actually have lost all ground that they ever had for when it comes yeah. to chat because yeah. their chat client is so bad. Remember, we used to use it when it was like, when it was when it was, it was when it was equivalent to. The best thing available, yeah, like MSN was Messenger. Yeah, sort of yeah. Like well, I think I think actually, well, that's exactly right. I think I think Discord was the thing that uh, that finally meant they had to compete because mm-hmm. I, I still believe that Discord is really the only the only really good chat client that's free. Yes, super high quality uh, and is designed around gaming. Mm-hmm. Um, everything else like has all these weird. I remember trying to use some of the other stuff like Teamspeak and some other things mm-hmm. in the past, and they're terrible, they're like crazy complicated. They're so. So I think it was basically Discord that kind of forced Valve's hand, probably, mm. you know. Um, but I, so I wouldn't fault them yet. If they, if it turns out all they do is chase Discord, then that's just really lame. Right. Um, I mean, I get it. I get why they're doing it, but it's pretty lame. So you're saying maybe they they're starting at a baseline and now they're going to branch, yeah, and start doing their own stuff because because yeah. they I mean they have the potential because they own the platform of doing really tight integration yeah. with everything, including with their multiplayer and with and matchmaking and all kinds of stuff. And you can see that already because like because Discord has that whole like I can't remember what they call it, but, but rich can, presence, rich presence, right? Where you can see what other people are playing and have some kind of minimal interaction with it. And it looks like the the Steam chat already has something like that, all but but different. It's actually much more integrated already. Um and, Yeah, because you can also do stuff like on Steam, you can on even currently, you can right click somebody and you can like watch their gameplay. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they if they open up the streaming option. So it actually streams video from one person directly to mm-hmm. another person. Which is super neat. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how much how much use that feature gets now that things like now things like Twitch are around. You know, because I think a lot of these things were Valve had these cool ideas um of, you know, person to person streaming or whatever. Uh but then there's so many other services out there like Discord or Twitch that that's their whole business model and they do it so yeah, well do better, yeah. that, yeah. yeah, that, so Valve kind of well, had yeah, a I bunch think, of these. I think Valve half-assed mo- almost every aspect of Steam. Yeah. Right. They were first to market. They were they, first to market and they just, they just use that advantage the whole fucking time. Mm-hmm. Right. And they never had to do anything really spectacularly well mm-hmm. because they owned They the just market. needed to have games yeah. available. <laughs> and, and the fact is they still really don't and they would be fine because they own 95% of the market. Uh, but, you know, Titans always fall if they just kind of sit idle, like, like yeah. we see with Microsoft, right? <laughs> so, well, so speaking of sort of owning the market and kind of doing whatever, mm-hmm. we'll talk about their next announcement. Mm-hmm. So that was the first one: is is they're totally overhauling their chat client, which has been mm-hmm. unchanged for a long time. Hopefully, they overhaul everything else also. 
Yeah. Uh, so one of the things they're overhauling is their policy on what games are even allowed on the platform. Yeah. And this caused a bit of a ruckus. This, this happened last week, I think. Yeah. I think everybody forgot about it already. Probably. It's, it, that's it's how the just, yeah. Works. Everybody was, <laughs> there were so many opinion articles and people just enraged about this. And then, or really the, about the it. next day, it was as if it never happened. Welcome to the internet. Yeah. Um, yeah so essentially what they're doing is they're, they currently have a few very, they're already very loose rules anyway. So there are some things about uh, sort of level of like sex stuff in games, explicit content in games. Game can't be too sexy. Can't be too sexy. But in a triple A game, it can because that was apparently that's okay. So you can have like a full well, blown yeah. sex scene in a triple A game. That's always been true. Triple A can do whatever. Yeah. But wants. if you make an indie game that, that is about banging. Right. You can't. Then yeah, that's not just, you got to also have murder mixed in. Yeah. You know, so well, I, I think actually this was the origin of the problem. Is exactly is what was the origin of the problem. There was a sense of unfairness that AAA developers got to, quote unquote, do horrible things in their games mm-hmm. that other people couldn't because they didn't have the sort of financial leverage to do it. Right. Uh, right. Or the, you know, the rest of the game is sort of the thing. Like the, it'd be, it'd be like if you took a, you know, if you didn't let say God of War or something like that, which is mainly about the combat onto the store because of the like three sex scenes that it has in it. Right. right? Versus a game that is literally just just about sex, sex right? Yeah. So there's there's been this going on, and and I think what it, if you had a game that was ninety nine percent sex scenes with three combat scenes? Do you think maybe that I, would that, be enough? To there's a, that's the question. That's that's <laughs> sort of the question that I think they were trying to deal with. Is like you know how do we determine what's the, the proportion? Ratio? How do you, how does this work? But also, what kind of murder is okay and what kind is not? Yes. Because other parts of the question were because apparently most murder is just most murder is fine. That's just fine. Yeah, um, but. Uh, uh, but yeah, but, but there were, but now if you had like, cause people were putting up things like school shooting simulators and yes. just, you know, horrible stuff. Uh, but, but it's a fair question as to like, is that, is that actually worse than a game where you just like grotesquely murder your, well, I, I remember, <laughs> I remember playing the division and all the, oh, yeah, you just murder looters. All of the yeah. enemies were just called looter. Yeah. And I'm just like, why are we killing these people? <laughs> yeah. They're like, just looters over in district eight. You got to get over there. You, you murder them. Yeah. And then you just. <laughs> You're just there with a gun, just mowing down people with the word looter over mm-hmm. their head. I'm just like, I don't feel great about this. <laughs> of course, the looters did have flamethrowers and they, you know, they were killing they were us slightly too. aggressive, but I think looter maybe was just the wrong word. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's more I like mean, a to be fair though, army. if you were just looting and somebody just started to machine gun you, I, like, I would You'd also pick up back. the nearest flamethrower <laughs> and fight back. Yeah. You know? yeah. So, yeah. So basically Valve decided to not... And I guess it's the interesting one. So the, the whole thing is that they didn't pull the ultimate. Can we not? Yeah. So you can tell that this, this is actually a thing. It's very hard to do is sort of draw these lines and, and every single storefront gets in trouble at some point for either censoring something that, that people don't want censored or for not censoring something that people do want censored. So Valve's response, I think now was just to say, just like kind of threw their hands up and they're like, whatever, just do whatever you want. We'll let the market decide. Right. That's sort yep. of like what's happened. So essentially you can put, anything on steam now you can put, I mean, you could put porn games you could put mm-hmm. whatever yeah they all sorts said, of hateful stuff just whatever you want go for it yeah um and this is it's just kind of weird it's a very strange place and although honestly i the more i thought about it the more i actually just blame triple a for this hmm. because there's almost nothing horrible that triple a isn't doing in one of its games correct right that's true yeah. they've got racism they've got sexism mm-hmm. they've got grotesque violence they got like everything you want right uh, is somewhere in some AAA games. Um, and so they actually, there cannot be a policy. Correct. That doesn't hit that them. That doesn't hit them. Yes. Right. And so that means that and Valve was left in a position where they have to say, they got to reject all these indies. Right. Because they are violating stuff, but mm-hmm. then simultaneously not violating 
or not not rejecting this triple. And we saw the same thing with iTunes, right? There, there were various things that the App Store told us we weren't allowed to do because it was against the policy, and we would just have to point to AAA games and be like, they're "Well, they're doing, doing it, it. Yeah. right?" And like this, would, like this entire game is built around violating this particular right, right. guideline. And they would be like, "Oh, okay, well, I guess that's fine, right?" Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, to, but just to clarify, in our case, it wasn't like horrible murder or something. <laughs> it, it was always some kind of a technical I thing, mean, like <laughs> like you, you've played our games. You probably yeah. Know. It was like just uh, covered in murder. Yeah. yeah, I think I think our big one was really it was the the B sketch ID login. B sketch ID login, where we got uh, several of our games rejected because of it. Mm-hmm. Right around the time that Hearthstone was getting major features, which of course has Battle.net yep. login, and you have to log into Battle.net to play yep. it. And they basically said like you get one of the rules that you're not allowed to basically move all content behind a log. Right. Yeah. yeah. And we were just like, well, Blizzard's but, yeah, when, yeah. And and this is, I mean, here's the thing. Like, I don't hold, I don't hold this against any of these companies. No, because well, like, the truth is like, the truth why is, are they going to give up millions and millions and millions of dollars yeah. just because Blizzard is like, we want players to log in. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, you know, like it's, there's, there's reasons for those guidelines to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also reasons for them to be lifted. In right. Scenarios, right. And I think that's, <laughs> that's sort of the rough part of all this is that as an indie, you haven't, you don't have any bargaining power. Right. And this is essentially what this problem ends up becoming is like, uh, you know, as an indie approaching, say, Steam making, if you make like a, there's a guy who made like a what shower simulator or whatever. Um, there's a couple of different like weird indie games that have come out that are just straight up violated parts of these rules that are, that are so the game is just not going to make a lot of money. Like it's not, it's not going to be like a triple A thing that just sort of explodes and makes half a billion dollars. So right. you're not going to have the sort of leverage that can be like, hey, look, I know this violates rule X, but, but you're going to make a you're lot gonna make of money. Ton money. So it's fine. You know? Um, and they're like, well, now that you mention it, <laughs> yeah. rule X is kind of silly. So it, <laughs> it, it definitely is like a really rough but, position. But it is interesting though, because if you're on a big enough platform as, as PlayStation has shown time and time again, you do get to dictate what AAA gets to do yeah. on your platform. If you're right? the platform. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I actually, or like what GDPR is doing, right? They yeah, just exactly. say like, these are the rules now. Yeah. This is just how fall in line. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think there's there's a there's sort of a problem with like stuff that already exists versus you know then stuff moving forward. But I think it's I think I think the the problem first lies in AAA because they're making the kind of stuff that people need to be policing. You know, because mm-hmm. if you just stopped well, doing that, they're well, making they're making stuff fine. that sells. I mean, if you think about things like Game of Thrones, which is basically it's like murder, lying, and sex, the show, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's pretty good. It's, it's awesome. a great show. Yeah. And people, but it, would, it would be it would be great with a significant degree less of all of the really really horrible it's, stuff. I mean, still sure, but I think that's, that's the whole <laughs> like, point. Because you know, in the whole uh, whole like crushing a head that was real know, gross. until it like actually pops. You know, there's, that was not a required. There's plenty moment. of torturous things in there that are just not fun to watch. But I yeah. think the whole point is that in uh, a lot a lot of the argument sort of for this move by Valve because essentially the, the, the problem that people point out this is going to open up which it already has because there's like an AIDS simulator that popped up Yep, where you just like I think you just kill people with AIDS I think that's what, what it is what it is um, just like a lot of fucked up stuff has already just shown up on the storefront um, and so there's there's a good reason to be like hey this is kind of this is strange you know to be like alright we're not going to do any curation um, yeah, while at the same well, time yeah, understanding I mean, that it's a rough position for uh basically a platform to be in where they have to somehow try to figure out how to, you know, make everybody happy, make indies allowed to make, you know, stranger content or content that's just around one particular aspect, but also not while messing up their users. I I think, yeah, I think I I actually don't, I don't necessarily agree that it's a hard position to be in. I think it's just a, it's a question of your ethics where Mm -hmm. sort of like, so in the case of, of, you know, the GDPR, 
Yeah. Europe was like, well, this is going to cause a lot of problems, mm-hmm. but it's way like, and it's going to be hard to enforce, et cetera. Uh, but it's way better in the long run for all of us if we po- start policing. Well, not for companies, stuff. but it's not for companies. It's for right. The, um, and and you know, in the, in the case, and I, I think a lot of the outrage that you saw in all these different articles was basically people saying exactly uh, what you guys just said, which is like Steam has the bargaining power. Yeah, yeah. They are the gatekeeper. Yeah, they could just say nah. Yeah, they're the gatekeepers for fully like a third of of the revenue of mm-hmm. all these AAA studios. And whatever Steam says the rules are, if they actually enforced them, then that's just, that would be the rules, mm-hmm. right? And so I think uh, the problem is, is because of all the exceptions and, and everything yeah. else, then it... Well, they've just decided to exist as a, as, a, as a company in like the most absolute sense of that word where it cannot have an ethical... Right. sort of framework, right? Their job isn't to be involved in moral questions. It's right. to just, it's pass, just to make money. They just pass product through. They're like a, they're like a, a trucking company that's just hauling stuff, yeah. you know? Well, just, <laughs> and it's interesting because you see it happen over the course of, I mean, it's been a decade now, right? So originally Steam, like it was just their games, which are all very high quality, very good Valve games. And then they opened it up a bit. Other AAA games opened up a bit more, um, you know, a few select indies every year. Like a few, the whole very year. high quality ones, very high quality, and then you just keep on. Well, opening like up most open. of those were backed by big publishers at the time. They stuff. were, yeah, yeah. but that's, that was the only way to get on. The, that, there was no concept of being able to just get on the yeah. store, right? So, and then you know, yeah, you slowly get to this point where it's like, well, we're you know, we just keep on opening the gate until the point I think happens where, yeah, if you're not curating the content at all, anyways, then you kind of have to make that question, like, okay, do we go back a little bit and say, okay, you know what, we're going to curate the storefront a little bit more, or do you sort of dive fully into the the really the consequences of opening up your platform hundred percent, which is that there's so much content that now you're sort of in the wild west again. Yeah. So really yeah, I mean, interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm an advocate for free speech when it comes to the government, yeah. right? The government should not dictate <laughs> yeah. what people say, sure. but I'm also an advocate for, uh, for individuals and companies who have some kind of um, leverage to try to use that leverage to, in, to to improve the world. Improve the world and improve mm-hmm. people's attitudes towards each other. Well, and to me, the craziest uh, thing about all of this is that Valve is a private company with infinite money. Yes. Right. And that they're so, somehow sort of beholden to... Yeah, they're not beholden to anybody. Yeah. Um, but, but themselves, they get to decide how much money they they have to make. They, they get to decide everything because they, they, they don't owe shareholders. They don't... Nobody could just come take over the board if their shareholders aren't pleased. Mm-hmm. You know, none of that exists. Uh, they have absolute freedom to do whatever they want. Uh, and so to me, cause like if this was, if this was like EA or some other um, large right. public company, I would be completely unsurprised by this kind of a decision because I'd be like, well, they have to, because their job is to make the most money possible. Otherwise everybody at the top gets fired. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And of course, EA games, which isn't get- to justify it, but that is just what would have yeah. to happen. And of course, EA games get sold through steam. Yeah. You know, like, so they're, they're sort of beneath valve in that sense. Right. But, yeah, but because it's valve though, like, cause they can just do anything. So, so this just refusal to take. A moral stance, because even I mean, even Google Play, which everybody makes fun of as the kind of the wild west of they have games, rules. right? They have more rules than Steam. They now. have way more <laughs> rules than Steam. <laughs> yeah. but, but, but the whole idea that even stuff that is just so obviously just hateful and horrible and whatever, mm-hmm. you know, like like this game where you just shoot people with AIDS, yep. right? That 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 because they don't want to draw any lines, they refuse to even <laughs> take stuff that is so so fucking clearly. Yeah. Well, just, here's what here's what I think is really going to go down. I think them doing this. So they, they said that there's two scenarios where they'll take games down. One is if they believe it's trolling 
and the other is if it if it seems illegal in some capacity. Yeah. So, uh, so in the case of these games that are clearly made and they have no they have no quality to them, no commercial uh, market, and they're just clearly made in order to piss people off, uh, like the game you're describing, mm-hmm. uh, that I think would fall under their trolling category. Yeah, so, so they've given themselves a loophole. So. I, yeah, well, and honestly, I think yeah. I think the loophole may actually end up just being far more effective for policing than their previous rules were. Mm. Because if they have a game where they're just like, well, this is obviously you just being a dick. And then they just take the game down. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause now they can take down any game and all they have to do is point to the one rule saying, well, this is trolling. Right. Yeah. And so, so they may actually, mm-hmm. you know, maybe we're not giving them credit. Maybe, maybe the whole point maybe of this, a, maybe the whole thing is a sneaky back door. It's to- a sneaky back door. So now <laughs> they can police exactly as they want to without people yelling at them about it all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, people still will. But, I mean, they still will. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But the question, nobody will be able to understand that, that. This is actually something I love about Nintendo, which is that they don't tell you anything. They don't tell you anything. <laughs> yeah. They just, they just decide at some point to, to do or to not do. Things. They're like, this doesn't match with what we want. Yeah. So they just stop doing it. And yeah. then people complain or whatever. And Nintendo doesn't even say anything. Yep. They're just like, we're Nintendo. Yeah. They just, they <laughs> pretend like the whole thing never happened. Yep, they're yeah. like, we just make good stuff. And yeah. that's all you need. There's to just know. something really beautiful. And they're, and they're, public company too right mm-hmm. so so you can do it and, and it's, there's something very beautiful about the about that whole thing we'll see we'll see yeah, what that the other thing though because uh, we were talking about this sort of in the context this happened at the same time that you know just just a short time ago uh steam made everybody's profiles private mm-hmm. right thus turning off the era when when steam spy exists and people right. could kind of get a sense of how games were selling uh and if if you were watching those trends what you were seeing is every few months Somebody would kind of crunch the numbers and look at the median uh, number of downloads that that games were having, and you could just see that just moving real fast towards zero. Yeah, because yeah. it is it is entirely possible, and in fact, likely in the long run, for the median game on Steam to sell zero copies. Yeah, which is which is true on mobile. Yeah, and it's been true for a long time. Right. Um, so if those not so versed in statistics, median just means that half the games on the platform are below it, and half are above it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So Roughly. if the median is zero, then that means Half the games haven't sold anything at all. But it could be many more than that, too. Right. So if you look at the... At least half the games. At least half, yeah. Uh, And and so I think we're going to be hitting there really fast. As soon as Steam... Steam already just opened the floodgates anyway with with the whole Steam Direct thing, um, which I don't think is a bad thing necessarily. Uh, But that's going to be the cause of this sort of... The median, you know, shifting down and down and down, uh, which is all this is going to exacerbate their discoverability problem. but the fact is that most, and this is probably a horrible thing to say, but most things on Steam are not worth discovering. That's true. In the same way that on most on things mobile. on the app store. Most things on most, most things platform. on most things are not worth discovering. Most articles, most books, most. Just most of everything. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and so the, the, and the lower those barriers get, which again is a good thing because there's a chance that if somebody actually does have a good thing, right. but otherwise they wouldn't have been able to get out there. Now it can be discovered. But the reality is that what the, the bigger impact of that is just to put way more, you know, useless stuff out. Mm-hmm. And so, so Steam now has, has uh, exacerbated their discoverability problem enormously with Steam Direct, which means they, they need to have better of everything, better creation mechanisms, better ways for people to mm-hmm. shut off content they don't want, better ways to identify games that nobody would ever want, yeah. and so on and so forth, right? Which means actually that they're, they, they used to have a responsibility that was actually sort of dictated you know, by them as part of their obligation to their developers that they show your game to X number of people yes. and all this kind of stuff. Uh, I imagine, like, I haven't actually looked at those terms, and if I had, we, we wouldn't be able to talk about it, probably. Mm-hmm. But I would imagine that they're going to be getting rid of that if they haven't already. Yeah, I mean, there's, uh, yeah, there's, there's no statistically, way. it's not possible. It's just not possible anymore to show everybody everything. And again, if they did that because of 
having opened the floodgates, what they would be showing people is a bunch of bad stuff. 90% of the time, yeah. Yeah, which would then yeah. would then pollute their platform. So, so if, yeah, if uh, if aid simulator developer triggers a, a visibility round and Steam is like, well, I guess we have to show your game to 500,000 people. Yeah. It's like, no, actually, no. And I remember too. I <laughs> Don't saw, do that. Yeah. Back before Steam Direct kicked in, there was some game that came up on my front page that, that I was like, what the fuck? Like, well, how... Had how is this? How this it, was, it was like some offensive, horrible thing that somehow mm. like came up and popped up in my in my feed. Which apparently, like, was some sort of an accident. I think they kicked the game off the store mm. like after that. But but I remember that happening, and I was like, oh, this is not looking good for. <laughs> <laughs> but but I think this is all to say that because of this is all happening, they have this discoverability problem. They have all this stuff. They're going to be. It's going to be treated more and more like the the app store and the or the mobile mm-hmm. stores in general, where there's going to be an algorithmic basis, but it's now going to be all the way back on the responsibility of the developer to sort of trigger this stuff, yeah. right? Where on mobile, it is absolutely the case that you have to already have your people. You already have to be successful to get your game propped up because of your launch velocity. Mm-hmm. Or at least that's what it seems like is true. Uh, with the with the exception of on iTunes, if you can get one of those sort of feature spots that mm-hmm. is sort of negotiated and all this stuff. Uh, and so... But even that requires you to have a successful track record, have games right. that have been out and so on. So really, you already have to be successful on mobile to, to continue more to be that, successful, yeah, right. right? Otherwise, it's just a random crapshoot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Steam, there was a period of time that's sort of like that golden indie window where that was true because only really good indie games were allowed mm-hmm. to come onto the store. And Steam put their full weight behind them. But now they can't. Yep. And so now anything can go on. Now and no way to go put on. behind anything. Exactly. Yeah. And so, so now it's back on the responsibility of the developer to make a thing successful, and which is which brings us all the way back to this question of like, what do you let on the store? Mm-hmm. It matters less and less, just like it does on mobile. Um, if the store doesn't actually put any weight behind you, correct? Then it actually does because like there was we would joke all the time about when we launched uh, was it Flop Rocket and we were mm-hmm. competing with Touch Girl Touch Boob. That was Quadrant's Quadrant, Rampage. Quadrant's Rampage, yeah, yeah. So so we launched this game. Well, and no, we were there was there were on, two games. That we were competing with on the charts. They we were, were clones right of between. each other, yeah. No, one was one was a touch girl, touch boob, and the other was boob smasher. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We were like, this, okay. Well. Yeah, that, that, that was on Android. <laughs> we, were, we were like racing these games up up the chart, uh-huh. right? And then, of course, they fell back down because mm-hmm. they got reported and some other things happened. Um, but, but they were there for about a week. They were there for a while. Uh, and then, of course, we stuck, right? Because yeah. it was a better a better game and not And Quadrupus does have a butt in it, which I, you know, it I does, think. yeah. It's a very titillating. But you don't touch it. Sufficient. You don't touch it. It's just there. Yeah. You can touch it. And it's an alien butt, <laughs> so it's a different thing. It's a, cephal- <laughs> a cephalopod yeah. butt. Uh, but, yeah, but the point being that, that you can you can now have gross stuff in the store because the store is, is no longer actually saying, like, we're advocating for this because they're not going to advertise it and all mm-hmm. this kind of stuff. Uh, and they can actually take one step further uh, by algorithmically identifying stuff that's probably gross by, by allowing users to report things mm-hmm. using, using tags or other kind of mechanisms and then just actually actively suppressing stuff because yeah. they are under no obligation to actually serve up content. Right. Yeah. And I think the path they seem to be kind of saying that they want to take, cause they mentioned they want to add a much more tools for people to do that. Curate their own stuff. Yeah. yeah. Is, is basically one where they allow users to suppress content so that the content is there. It's just that you can't find it unless you know exactly what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, but and that mean, sort of takes them out of the, out of the policing loop. Right. Which again, none of us to say this is a good thing. Um, well, I just think about like somebody who comes onto Steam for the first time and they yeah. haven't hit any of those filters of like, don't show no, no, me. But yeah, no, that, I'm not, what I'm saying is that by default, they're going to be putting on filters that make you have a good experience. Right. Yeah, right? I hope so. They're sure as fuck. Yeah. Not, they're not going to say like, oh yeah, we're not going to, 
we're not going to put on the no racist bullshit filter yeah, right. uh, for our new user, right? Uh, so I, think, I don't know. I mean, I still it, the the idea that they're that they're totally cool with keeping that stuff on. I I just don't no, think, no, no, I, I just I don't think, think it it's be true. Off also. I I don't think I don't think those kinds of games are going to stay on the store. I mean, I, certainly I, I, I I'm a firm believer that Valve is going to just pull that shit down because like it makes every, it just makes them look terrible. Oh yeah, it will yeah. make everybody they don't want in the store look terrible yeah. too. I I, th- I think this whole trolling rule is I think that's just their ace in the hole for just. I certainly hope that that's true because if it's not, I'm going to be very disappointed. Yeah, <laughs> so, I'm, I'm, a, I'm giving the benefit of the doubt on this one. Well, the thing is, like, is I've always, I, no matter people give Valve a lot of shit, but on the whole, I've actually always felt like they were a force for good mm-hmm. in the industry, and I felt like like and, I feel like they've treated us well. I think they treated yeah, Valve and everybody well in we've met from from there has been great. Yep. So yep. I mean, I, I, so when this yeah, this was like when this came out, we were, I was mostly just like disappointed because I was like. Yeah. Wow, you were like the one good guy, you know, in, the, in kind of the whole scheme. Um, and this isn't good, but well, well maybe, maybe it's maybe it's maybe we should give it the benefit of the doubt. Well, yeah, we we don't we'll know how it's, it. yeah we don't know how it's gonna be enforced. So it's but the point is it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, uh, and even crazier is the final piece of news, which is then on top of this announcement about anything goes, um, Valve has announced that they're officially bringing Steam to China. Mm-hmm. Where it's been unofficially in China, it has been uh, yeah, it's been available in China, but sort of in a I hope the government doesn't shut this down kind of a sense because it in order to do business in China, uh, if you're a foreign company, you cannot sell directly to consumers. You can sell to Chinese businesses, and then they sell to mm-hmm. consumers, and so that that applies to digital products as well. Um, so in order, so for example, Blizzard has their uh, Blizzard China division which actually has to sell everything through uh, NetEase. So they have, they have a partner there. So Blizzard doesn't actually operate in, in China directly in a direct mm-hmm. capacity. And it can't. And, and it can't. Never. And nope, yeah. none of us can. Yeah. So the weird thing about this is the combination of Steam being like, okay, we're going to lift any curation or censorship stuff that you could possibly throw at us. Also, we're going into China, which is where the curation and the censorship stuff is the heaviest in the right. entire planet. <laughs> so... Yeah. So I don't know how this is going to work. Yeah, it's probably going gonna... to it's probably going to be the case that it's just going to be a completely different suite of games probably. on Steam China. Um you might have to which actually... are games that are approved by the government. Right, and yeah, you might actually go through government approval assuming Steam makes a tool for that, which would actually would be nice. Um It would be nice. The government approval tool. Just <laughs> check just the hit. boxes, yep. send it off and then wait for 100 years. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, if they make it easy to do, it's just going to yeah. get even slower. But they would, right, right. <laughs> As <laughs> with all things, wait. you know, the more competition there is. Yeah, we're the still waiting uh, when we had to do all the GDPR stuff and I had to, we had to fill out this privacy shield yeah. thing, you know, that goes to some government body. But like, it's easy. You just like fill some shit out, check some boxes, put in some info and then pay them a little bit of money. And then you just, and you just sit back and you're like, cool, someone's going to take care of this. No one's taking care of it. No, <laughs> there's probably like three people in an office. Oh, yeah. Just it's just on fire. It's just on yeah. fire. They're just cut. They're just getting buffeted by <laughs> documents flying yeah. in the breeze. Yeah, probably. You know, recently half of them have been fired because of administrative, mm-hmm. you know, Turnover. situations yeah. and stuff. So it's good. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe we'll just who knows. Maybe they'll forget about it. Yeah. Maybe we get the, <laughs> maybe we'll get the advantage of you know being in there because we followed all the rules. So we're technically a privacy yeah, shield. We're good. But because we actually haven't been officially accepted into it, maybe we can't actually be punished by the FTC. Mm. We're we're in limbo. We're, yeah. we're in some sort of a limbo. We're good, a good this, limbo. We live in the best the, place to be. Yeah, we live in the privacy void. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, okay, so that's all the news we've got. 
That was a lot. That took that took some time. Let's fortunately, do a few questions for yeah, me. Fortunately, we've got three minutes. Perfect. So, but we, we can go over a little bit so we can hit a couple questions. Um, all right. So the first question comes from Potty Gamer. After participating in the second Shenanah Jam, I was wondering if you jam masters could offer some advice. If one person on the jam team is solely responsible for the coding, how do you keep the other teammates engaged when they finish their duties and you're knee deep in code trying to finish and debug? I had a teammate keep asking, what can I do to help you? Thanks for the, thanks for another awesome Shenanah Jam and thanks for all that you do. Interesting. So um, there's there's basically always stuff to do, and then uh, if the you know if the art runs out or whatever else, because you have to go hunt down music or make sound effects, you have to uh, get the itch page ready, make videos, all sort of stuff. So actually, the final day of the Shenana Jam, uh, basically, I realized that there's no if I made more art, then it would actually make the game not get done because Seth needed to finish programming all the back end stuff in the game. Uh, and then he would have to take a break from that to plug in. If I was like, oh, I want to do this cool animation, it would actually break the system, right? So, well, even on the second day, a lot of what you did was updating existing art. Exactly. So, so it could just be swapped Which is down. always an option Yeah, yeah. That, that your teammates have is to look at all the things they made, which could probably be better, especially in a jam. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the first the first round, you're just like, we just got to get this in. Yeah. yeah. So the tiles actually for me, so I made the first ones, all of them in the, in, you know, the span of a couple hours and they were horrible. And then I came back circled back on them on Saturday night. So it was Friday night, I did the first round and Saturday night after realizing I, I think the, all the things we have are just all we're going to have in this game because of how, how big it is mechanically. So I just circled back and then I actually went, you know, I did some tutorials online about rocks and stuff, about tried to learn about how to do it and then went and redid those. So uh, that's a big part of it actually is, is just if you run out of artists in particular, will hit this more so than programmers will. Uh, when you hit a point where you sort of have made all the things, then you can take a step back and either work on these production problems, which is, you know, getting the game uploaded, all this other stuff, or just say, okay, well, let me just pick what is, what is the worst thing I made and then go figure out how to make it better. Um, do some research. Yeah. Do some research and, and do that sort of thing. So, so I think that's a big part of it. But the other one is just, uh, you know, my, my goal is usually just to leave Adam and Seth alone, like a hundred percent once we get about to that point and just sort of do things autonomously. So on Sunday, after making a few UI pieces for the game, just to make it look a little spiffier. Um, mine, the entire, I think next four to five hours was getting music, getting the itch page set up, uh, getting the video ready to go, like all this other stuff. And I basically just left them out of it. Almost yes. 100%. Well, so. One other useful thing you can do is uh, testing. Yes. Right. Yep. So as the programmer, if you're just, if you're knee deep in code the whole time, you don't get to go, you know, let me do a quick balance pass. Yeah. Let me play the game for 20 minutes and just kind of feel it out and then take notes and then come up with some designs mm-hmm. on how to make it better. Uh, you just don't have time. Yep. So right. I, I ended up playing it for about an hour on Sunday, um, took a ton of notes, and then all of them were just tweaks, right? So I'd be like, oh, we, this, it looks like this balance is off for this particular mutagen in our game. Uh, it's never seemed to drop, so maybe throw that in there. Lifetime needs to go down. This needs to go up, blah, blah, blah. And so Seth would just get this bullet point list that took maybe like 10 minutes to yeah. do all of them and just Not improves even. the quality of the game. While we were having a conversation about yeah. what needed to change, as we were talking about each item, I was just quickly going in right. and changing the values. Soldiers numbers and stuff. So yeah. that's that's a huge thing to make a higher quality game at the end of the gym is have someone play it, take those notes, and then put the feedback back in. Yeah, you exactly. have to recognize that you don't have time to add new stuff. It's just about tweaks. Yeah, and, and programming is a, it puts you in a very different mental state than uh, design does. And so it's it's hard to kind of like rapidly switch between mm-hmm. programming and design. And so, yeah, if you can take that that iteration and design load off of the programmers toward the end of the jam, you'll have a much better game at the end. Uh, all right, next question 
Grumpy Gramps. What does day What does a day in the life look like for the bros? Do you take time in the morning to read and work out? What do you eat for breakfast? Do you have a daily meeting at the office? What activities and projects do you work on outside of the office and when? What's a day? What's a day like for you you fellers? (laughs) How do you do? My my days are very simple. I live a simple life. I painfully (laughs) groggily wake up. Screaming. Ah! It's more just very loud groaning because I don't have the mm. energy to scream. The screaming, <laughs> the screaming comes later. Mm-hmm. Like once I am awake. So it's like once you've hiss. realized, oh my god, I've awoken. Exactly. And then you start screaming. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh, wake up screaming. Step yeah, one. So wake up screaming, and then depending on the, the it's collection, like, it's like morning terrors. It's like a, it's like night terrors. Yeah. But yeah. From when you waking yeah. up. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> depending on what collection of you know aches and pains I have from you know, just being, just being a human who is getting older, then I'll decide what drugs to take for mm-hmm. the day, you know? So maybe some ibuprofen, well, maybe I'm of, feeling okay. A bit of know? crack. Maybe yeah. some <laughs> little bit of crack, you know, just, just whatever I need to, to, to see me, me through. Up. Yeah. Uh, and then, coffee. and then depending on what time in the morning it is, because of course I'm trying, I'm trying to like, I try to let myself wake up roughly when I just can, you know, so I don't try to get up exactly at an alarm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's kind of this like hour range of when I might get up. Um, so then depending on how much time is left, I might go have some tea, just kind of chill out for a bit, uh, check my email, get kind of caught up on, and then get caught up on like my, my feed, uh, my, uh, my feed reader, what do you call it? Feedly, mm-hmm. Feedly. Uh, my RSS reader. Uh, so I kind of get caught up on game news, you know, all that kind of stuff as I'm sipping my tea and petting my cat and then hop in the shower. The moment I get out of the shower, hop in the car and go to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, that's kind of my morning routine. Uh, sometimes I'll eat a, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Mm, on, don't on go the crazy day, there. Adam. You know, yeah. don't go wild. Uh, and sometimes I'll just eat a banana. Seth, what about you? What's your morning? So I go, day? my morning is since we've moved into the office, I've had to make some changes yeah, because it used yeah, to be. I haven't be, adapted yet either. Yeah. It used yeah. to, I mean, we worked out of my basement, which means it used to be, I would wake up and just kind of roll out of bed, continue rolling, <laughs> roll down the stairs, <laughs> roll over to my rolling chair mm-hmm. and I'm ready to roll. Right. Right. Uh, now is a whole different fucking thing. Yep. So, <laughs> so now I, I like to work. I like to work before starting before eight. Cause I feel like mornings are the best mm-hmm. for getting shit done. Uh, so I've been getting up around six, you know, get up nice and early. Uh, I like to do some journaling in the morning where I just have like a notebook and I just kind of write out what's on my mind for the day. Just kind of try to like unpack all the stupid crap that's bouncing around in my head. Plot a course. Plot a course for the day. Um, and then I've got a little pocket notebook that I sort of transcribe. I, after I write up my journal, I kind of transcribe into bullet points of like just a couple things to focus on for the day. Um, and one thing I try to do in the morning is stay away from my phone. Yeah. Because I, I fucking hate it. I hate <laughs> my phone. I hate being around it. Uh-huh. I hate what it does. I don't like it. And it has this thing called Bixby on it. It's always trying to do stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, so, yeah, because I think, you know, it's easy to get caught in in text messages and news and, you know, whatever other garbage. Yeah. So, so I actually, I, I keep my phone in the bathroom. Nice. That's, that's where I keep it at night. So I have my, my alarm there, which means I have to get up. Run over to the bathroom. And I'm like, well, I guess I'm in here now. I'm standing, so I can't sleep. Might more. as well pee while I'm standing. <laughs> might as well pee. Oh, well, now that I've peed, I might as well go drink some water to rehydrate. Yeah. <laughs> and then my morning starts by just sort of force, mm. you know. But yeah, so those are kind of my key things that I try to do. Yeah, I I do the no phone stuff as well, which I think probably drives people crazy because it takes me like a day to respond to text messages usually now because I just don't yeah. see them. 
for a day or so, depending, like I, I look at my phone usually around like 11 AM and then might have the energy to respond to people. Otherwise be like, Oh, I'll get it later. And then I just don't. So, you know, the next yeah, day. But the thing up. about it is it almost never matters. It just doesn't matter. So, <laughs> yeah, so if somebody's like arm came off and they're bleeding, it's like call 911. Don't call me. Don't, don't call don't me, me. But also especially don't text me because you only got one, only got one arm mm-hmm. and that's like way harder to stop. It's way harder to type. So yeah, my morning routine actually starts the night before. So kind of like Seth's journaling thing. Uh, I usually just sit down with a tiny sheet of paper and I'm just like, what am I going to do tomorrow? Like what's on the, what's on the agenda? It takes like five minutes. And I found this to be one of the, just the best ways to get more stuff out of my day. And then wake up in the morning and wake up usually without an alarm, but I always have one set. And lately I've been waking up at fucking 6.15, which I don't want to do, but the sun is still shooting into my yeah. eyeballs, which is infuriating. I find that though, this is good. in the Because in the summer here, the sun is up a lot. <laughs> yeah, so, all the time. So if you if you've wanted to kind of get into a routine where you're waking up earlier, now's the time mm-hmm. to do it because you're blind. Yep. Yeah. So so usually I wake up and then I uh, roll out of bed and brush teeth, all the usual stuff. Go down and put a bunch of granola into a coffee mug because I saw Adam do it once at the office. I thought it was hilarious, <laughs> and then I did it once at home. And I just that's how I yeah. eat my granola now, or yeah. I eat my that's cereal. How eat cereal, yeah. yeah. So I eat my cereal, coffee um, mug. It's better for dosing, I think. Yeah, because yeah, bowls are just kind of outrageously sized. Well, you can't, and they you don't can't have tell the volume, and they don't yeah. have handles. Yeah, it's ridiculous. What's that so, about? Yeah, so yeah, I can I just have this handle full of bullshit. cereal. <laughs> <laughs> bunch of bullshit so uh, yeah I let the dog out and then um usually what happens is one of two things either i just kind of get get ready for the day and then head to work actually immediately so i'll get there like 7 38 or um if i'm working actively on a particular art thing then actually usually i draw in the morning so at least half an hour uh sometimes longer if, depending on when i wake up and yeah it's the same rule i don't do any internet stuff before i get in the office actually so usually first thing in the office is checking some emails and if i really need to get shit done for the day i'm just like no and then I just don't. Yeah, I found the better strategy is if you if you're in a job position where you can get away with it, just don't. to pack your admin stuff into like one or two days a week, mm-hmm. and then the other days of the week just do your job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah. just try to do them before I leave for work. Yeah, so three, three or four o'clock stuff. Yeah, I I, just, I used to do that, but I found that that it just puts me in a weird mental state because then because then the thing about admin tasks is the better and faster you do them, the more uh, additional ones you generate. Because like if you if somebody sends you an email like, hey, I need a I need a quote on this thing. And if you respond immediately, then they're going to email you back again, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah, but, I mean, <laughs> but they were going to anyway. They were going know? to, but you could postpone it by, you know, just, just wait a day. Yeah, mm-hmm. but, then email. but I'm just saying this is sort of, because if you just then, if you take care of it before work uh-huh. and then don't take care of any more of it, then the next morning, take care mm-hmm. of it before work. That's one that strategy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, I always found that as, when I send emails out in the morning, then I'm expecting ones to come back during the day. Yeah. And I find myself that's, that's checking. That's first problem. Waiting. Yeah. 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 Waiting yeah. sucks. So I've, I found that it's best to kind of behave like a mountain man where I'm just yeah. like, I'm just off the grid now for the day. Mm-hmm. And tomorrow I'm back on the grid. Yeah. And then other though, when we all get in the office, we do, we usually do a stand up on Monday just to say what the hell is going on because we've moved pretty, got a pretty good clip. What's happening this week. Um, so yeah, so what, what, what's everybody trying to do this week? And then, Everyone's pretty much just headphoned up and jamming on stuff. Uh, take breaks pretty frequently. You know, like every two hours or so, I usually just leave for a little bit and go get some coffee or something. Uh, I've been trying to meditate around like one or so because usually that's when my brain starts like shutting down to some degree. And I find it, it helps get me like an extra good 
hour, hour and a half in. Mm, do we need a, like a white noise machine or something? In no, because the, uh, the in the rhino. No, because the 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 building we're in has these phone booths that you can just go in. They're like oh, almost sound. They've got a fan going on the and inside, and you can turn the light off. Yeah, it's perfect. So I just go in there and just sit there like a weirdo for ten so minutes. Be, I can walk <laughs> past in the hallway. There's like what the? F- there's, there's just, there's just this man. man. He's just standing there with his eyes closed <laughs> in the dark. Yeah, but Sam he he likes to face out while he's doing it. Like, <laughs> so that do oh that. My God, it'd, be it'd be like a yeah. It'd be like a in like a movie where there's like a robot yeah, like waiting saying, in a one of those teller things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> give you your fortune. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So and then we we tend to wrap up between anywhere between like four and eight. It's a pretty wide range depending yeah. on how yeah, tough the day was. Six, usually usually around five thirty or six. Yeah. Man. Yeah. So the thing that I'm trying to figure out. So otherwise, sort of outside of work, you know, after work stuff. Mm-hmm. I have been, as I've discussed in in a few earlier episodes, I've been working on piano. Mm-hmm. So some of my evening goes into just just doodling, slapping keys, pianing, tickling I, the I've keys. I kind of realized that you know I need to treat pro, uh, piano the same way I learned programming, which is I just need to be there and just be doing stuff. Showing up is about ninety five. You show up, you just show up, and just and just hit keys. So sometimes I'll be sitting there and I'm like, oh, I'm tired of playing this song, and then I'll just start like just hitting random <laughs> keys for ten minutes just to kind of like because part of it is you know you got to build up the muscle memory of how the keys. Uh, like how far apart they are mm-hmm. and how you, you use your fingers on like the black keys versus the white keys. And that just comes from just being there yep. and having your hands on it. Yeah. If I, if I'm doing art and I get to a point where I'm like, ah, I just don't like, I don't want to think about this. Then I just trace stuff. I got some yeah. tracing paper and I just have this really cool book and has some pictures in it. It's a picture book. And I trace the pictures. Yeah. Cause the point is to just <laughs> keep moving. You yeah. just keep doing stuff. Do. Um, so I got that. Uh, I've also been learning uh, electronics work, which means I've been mostly on Khan Academy courses for now, learning about electrical engineering, but I've got to work my way in to that. Um, and the last thing is, of course, exercise. Yeah. I say, of course, because, you know, we should all be doing it. sort mm-hmm. of, a, you got to, you got to use your body so it doesn't and fall apart. And you also apart. say, of course, because of course it's the last thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not last, but not least, Yeah, you yeah. know, as they say. <laughs> Uh, so the thing about that is now that we're moved offices, we're in a, no, we're in a no man's land because there's going to be a gym. There is, you could go to one. There's one available. It's like in the hospital. They have like a, yeah, I'm not going to a hospital yeah, gym. Zero interest in that, but. <laughs> it's oh, they have a cafeteria at the hospital too. Maybe we should go have lunch over there. <laughs> uh, no, no, thanks. Yeah. So, we gotta wait until August is when the gym will open up. So, yeah, so I got to get a new gym membership at a, another gym mm-hmm. somewhere. So I'm kind of in a, I'm in a, yeah, I lost it. Evenings for me are usually workout, uh, eat, and then hang out with the wife for a couple hours. It's a good move. Sort of like the usual. Yeah. yeah. I just eat and hang out with the wife. Yeah. Last night we watched uh, Dude, You're Screwed. What's that? Which is a, a show with these four, uh, dude, you're Almost, screwed. it's like three of them are these ex-military guys. So it's like Green Beret, Dave Seal, uh, British SAS or something, and then this and then this nature survivalist uh, who they just make fun of all the time because mm-hmm. um, he's he's like a super hippie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they, but this guy can run like just forever, uh, and so so they, so they're basically just these, all these guys who just know a whole bunch of shit about survival. And so the premise of the show is the very beginning, three of them capture the other one in some sort of an elaborate scenario, uh-huh. and they get him in a helicopter and they drop him off somewhere. And then they each get to choose what they're going to give him that he can try to survive with. And but of course, they're trying to give him shit that they just absolutely yeah, can't use, exactly, mm. like uh, a marshmallow or or yeah, or like <laughs> or clown shoes was in the recent one, or you know, whatever. Uh, and and so they just leave him there, and they go like fly in their helicopter like twenty miles away, set up a base camp, and they just like monitor vitals. 
right? <laughs> and then the goal is and to, this person has no idea when they're going to know when where or they are, whether they're going to be. Well, so they, they have a hundred hours to find civilization is the, is the mm. goal. Right. And okay. so they drop them in places where there is civilization, but they would have to, it's usually like 20 miles away and they don't know where they, they are, don't know even. where they are and what direction they should go. And, uh, cool. <laughs> it's pretty, it is, I mean, it has all the, 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 the really f- annoying tropes that, that, uh, reality TV has, you know, it's like at the beginning, they basically like recap the whole fucking thing because yeah. they're, they want to get you excited about it. Yeah. So we just started skipping, you know, that, but, but it's pretty fun. It's good it's stuff. I've been watching uh, girlfriend's guide to divorce on Netflix. What is this? It's fantastic. Is this, uh, like sitcom, and I don't know what you call it. It's just like a show. It's just show. Like a show. Okay. It's very well done, and I was it. Was, it came out because so Diana, my wife, loves watching more of these sort of emotionally appealing shows, and I always just want to watch action and sci-fi stuff. But she can't because of the empathy. Her empathy is so high that she feels like she's getting punched or kicked or whatever else. <laughs> so it's actually physically hard for her. It's yeah, not hard. She goes, for me to, she goes watch. to watch a Marvel movie, and she's like writhing in her chair. Yeah. Like she's getting beaten mm-hmm. by the Avengers. Exactly. So we, we've talked about this a few times. So um, the other night we hopped, we were just like, oh, we just want to watch a show. So pulled it up. And for whatever reason, I was like, oh, this one looks silly. You know, I was watching an episode of this and it's so good. <laughs> sucked I'm in. like, yeah, I'm 100% in it. I've been bothering her. I'm like, I want to watch the show more. She's yeah, like, no, it. we got to get ready for China. Yeah. I'm like, it'll be just one episode. Now, come on. Fuck packing. We got, we got enough time. We Girlfriend's can squeeze got it. a divorce. Let's yeah. <laughs> we can just show up in our whatever we got. Yeah. You don't need to get ready for a vacation. Nah, you got to watch Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. Uh, so thank you very much for the questions. We'd like to thank our producer, Fat Bard, for making us sound good. Thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord and forums running, especially during crazy things like the Shenanah Jam, mm-hmm. which we appreciate tremendously all the help for you know keeping that stuff in line. Uh, also, if you would like to get more involved in the Butterscotch community, you can hop into our Discord server, which is at discord.gg slash bscotch, and come say hello. Also, if you'd like to adorn your body with Butterscotch merch, uh, like t-shirts, uh, we have stickers, posters, mugs, you can check out our shop over at shop.bscotch.net. Or if you'd like to send us something, we have a mailbox, which you can find the address for at mailbox.bscotch.net. Also, we will probably be changing our mailbox address there. Mm-hmm. So if you had previously sent us stuff and want to send us another thing, be sure to update your Rolodex. Yeah. Uh, so the address will just be updated at uh, mailbox.bscash.net. So you'll be able to see that there. Uh, also, if you'd like to buy some coffee for Butterscotch, you can do so <laughs> over at tips.bscotch.net. Yeah, throw, us a, throw us a tip. Mm-hmm. Throw us a fiver. little tip Well, well it, no, it's set up to, you can only send fourvers. Send us a fourver. Yeah. <laughs> we can send as many fourvers as you want. Send us 10 fourvers. That's perfect. Mm. Which I believe is the number 10 four. Yes. Yeah. Over. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you all for listening. And we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.